pray this message blesses and encourages you. So good to see you all today on Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, do you know, I don't know if it's just that we're grumpier in the north sometimes, but we didn't, I didn't really celebrate Thanksgiving until we came here. And I don't know why, because there's a bit of a party and maybe get something to eat in the middle of it all. But I love it. And I love um, that we get to celebrate it and we get to cheer some people on and show some gratitude to other people. I think it's gratitude and Thanksgiving is important because I'm convinced that the more grateful we are, that the more we'll just enjoy our lives. If I'm grateful, I'll just enjoy myself more. I'll just enjoy my life a little bit more. I think if we're more thankful, then we're less entitled. I think if we appreciate people more, then we'll appreciate what we have and who we have. And we won't always be looking for something else if we just appreciate what we have. And so I would encourage you today, send some people a text. Just tell them, I'm, th I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for you. Um, if you can be more specific, that's helpful too. <laughs> tell them why you're thankful. Um, that's helpful as well. But I promise you that stuff like... We, we reap what we sow. And if we want to see people grow and we want to see people encouraged, then that's how we do it. I was traveling once to, I was on like a youth exchange um, and I went to a couple of different European countries and I'll, I'll leave them nameless in case somebody's in here and they're from that country. But I, there was one country that I was in and a really great time, but there was one thing that happened, like it was such a fun week, but there was one thing that kept happening over and over again. And do you know, like at the start, it's fine. But when something just keeps happening, eventually you're like, you can feel yourself getting a little bit wound up as it goes on. And you're just trying to be dead gracious because you love the Lord. But you also are like, mm, this is actually really starting to agitate me. And then all of a sudden my reaction to it is far worse than what's actually just happened in a moment because it's been winding me up now for a week. And I was, I was growing up and we were told that in our house, manners are free. And so always say please, always say thank you, get up and give your seat to someone, hold the door for someone. That was kind of what we'd lived in and how we were like, and now it wasn't always from our will, like I had to gotta get up and give someone your seat. Like that was kind of it. And you better say thank you or I'll take it back. That's kind of how, <laughs> how we were taught it, but that's how we were and how we grew up. And I remember being in this country and sitting at a dinner table and someone said, would you pass, can't remember what it was, would you pass that along? Yeah, 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 no problem, pass it along nothing. And that was fine. I was like, all right, no problem. And then somebody was coming down and I opened the door for it, stood back, straight past, nothing. All right, no problem. I remember somebody trying to lift something that was too heavy for them. And I said, I'll give you a hand. And they're like, okay. And I took it and they walked off and I followed them and I set it down. Nothing. Right. And so I started to get like, I gave somebody my seat once because they had been working hard and I had just sat down and they came in and I was like, here, do you want my seat? Yeah, yeah. Just plopped himself down. Nothing. And I, I started to get, I wasn't aggressive, but you know, like passive aggressive with people. And so I'd hold the door open for someone and they wouldn't say nothing. And as they were past, I go, you're welcome. <laughs> would you, would you, would you pass the salt? And pass the salt, nothing. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Like, that, trying to be passive aggressive with it, but I'm really just venting my own frustrations. So I don't explode in the middle of it all. But I asked somebody about it by the end of the week because I was like, you know, you just feel yourself like, and you, whenever you notice it, you notice it everywhere. Like you're in a shop and nobody's saying anything. And you're like, no, thank you for serving me. And hey, but I, I asked someone about it, and here's what they said. They said, oh no, people are very grateful. Just in our culture, we just assume that you're thankful. Like we just assume 
that the other people are thankful and grateful, so we just don't say it ever. I was like, I mean, it helps a little bit, but it feels like a like an excuse for you all as a country to be rude to everybody. But it was this. I was really interested because what what this lack of like perceive like they, it's not that they weren't grateful. I just felt like they weren't. Like it was like this lack of perceived gratitude. What it did to me, like what it made me feel, <laughs> what it made me feel, and how it made me like. It was a real wrestle inside of me for how things were going on. And here's what I believe. I believe that Christians, knowing what we know, knowing what you know, knowing what you have received, knowing that you got what you got through none of your own merit, we should probably be the most grateful people on the planet. Because there is a truth that will change your life and you've found it. There is a message, there is a person who will transform everything for you and you find him. He finds you, whatever way your theology wants to work. Like, hey, you, you've met him, and we should be the most grateful people on the planet, but let's be honest, that's not the reality. Let's ask ourselves a challenging question together. Pick someone off the street who's never really been to church, doesn't really know a lot of Christians personally, and you say to them, what are Christians like? What will it say? Grumpy? Rude sometimes? Borderline aggressive with some things? A little bit negative with some things? Is that the perceived reality? Like, why, why would it not be that they would say, oh, they're so kind? Do you know, they're so generous. Do you know, like, they're so grateful. Like, I, I literally do nothing for them, and they're so thankful that I did it. Like, they're, they're so caring. Like whenever I needed something, they were there for me. And I'm not saying that's the rule for everyone, but like a general perception, sometimes it can be negative instead of positive when we should be the most grateful, caring, loving people on the planet. And I want us to jump into a passage today. And this one passage will show us like the both ends of the broad gratitude spectrum, like both ends of it. And we're gonna see them both together in one passage. And we're gonna just look at ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, what do you have to teach me about me? Yeah, we're not gonna point fingers at our spouses or our friends or the people around us and say, you need to be more grateful for me. We're not doing that. We're just gonna ask the Holy Spirit, what about me? What about me? And so we're gonna look in Luke 7. It's a story that if you've been around church or you've read through, like you'll know this passage. Um, but let's look at it together. It said, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet weeping and her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. He said, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. 
Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. It's a powerful passage. It's a beautiful moment. It's, I love these moments when we just see Jesus. It's like hard on the sleeve. Here he is, and this is who he is. This, is, this wouldn't have been, uh, like a party like this wouldn't have been uncommon. If someone came to town and everybody wanted to meet them and get to know them, somebody would throw a party. It was like an A-list kind of party. How am I going to get my name on the invitation? How am I going to get myself in the room? Jesus is coming to town. And so Simon, Simon throws a party. Because if I could just get him to come, if the party could be in my house, that would just lift me up a little bit. That would elevate my status. That would, that would lift me up in this place. And so they're there. And can you imagine everybody's in the room? They're so excited that they managed to get into the room. Like, how, how are you? Everybody's there. Oh my goodness, it's so good to see you. They're all making connections. They're all chatting. They're all trying to climb the social ladder. And then all, it's like, oh my goodness, he's here. Jesus is here. And he's walking in and everybody's just play cool, play cool. Jesus is here. And he walks into the room, just like everybody else is in the room and Jesus is there and he's part of the crowd and it's all hustle, bustle, it feels good, there's a party. And then all of a sudden there's like a, it just gets quieter and quieter and quieter. There's a silence just over the room and the crowd starts to part a little bit. And as the crowd starts to part a little bit, Whispers start. Can you believe the picture's here? Look who's here. Can you believe she showed up here and invited her? How did she get here? Oh my goodness, what's she doing? Where's she going? And she starts to walk her way through the crowd and everybody's looking around and here comes a woman with her head down, with tears in her eyes, carrying a, a jar of perfume. And she makes her way through that crowd. And can you imagine the crowd as she gets towards Jesus, as she gets close to him? She's not, gonna, she's not just going to walk right up to Jesus. She's not, even, she's not even allowed near us. And she's going to walk right up to Jesus. She makes her way through the crowd. And then don't miss the details. Like It says she kneels behind him, which would make me think that at this point, everyone has turned to stare at her apart from him. She kneels behind him as he's sitting. And she starts to cry. Tears begin to fall on his feet. She begins to wipe them with her hair. And everybody's quiet. And the only noise is her crying in a room. And everybody's looking. And she cries. And she wipes, her, wipes his feet with her hair. And she pours oil on his feet. And you could hear a pin drop. And I love the, the detail in the passage because you... You assume sometimes if you just read it that Simon speaks up. This is my party. I need to get this back. She has killed the buzz of this whole thing. Let's try and get this party back on. Like, turn the music up. Let's go. But it says that the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. It says in verse 39, he says to himself, just in his mind, if this Jesus person was a prophet, he would know 
who this woman is. He would know what type of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. He's thinking, Jesus says he's gonna be, he is all this, but I wouldn't let her near me. And here she is. Simon thinks he doesn't say it. He just thinks if only Jesus knew, as if Jesus didn't know. And here's the reality. Jesus didn't just know all about her. Jesus knew all about him. And Jesus knew what was going on inside of him. And it says in verse 40, then Jesus answered his thoughts. So the first word is from Jesus, Simon. Everybody looks at Simon, <laughs> looks back at Jesus. I have something to say to you. Like Jesus answers his thought. Imagine being him, like you've just thought it and then Jesus just answers it. You're like, uh-oh. Did I say that out loud? Am I so tired? I thought I thought that. If I said that, am I so tired that I've just blurted out what's going on in my head? Yes, Jesus, like you go for it, say what you want. Like he's, he realizes in this moment, I'm in the presence of someone who knows every thought. I'm just hoping maybe that he doesn't. I'm hoping that this is about something else. I'm hoping that he's gonna ask me to turn the music up. I'm hoping that he may be gonna ask me to take her away from me. I'm hoping that he is gonna ask me to sort this situation out. But he says, I have something to say to you. And Jesus asks him a question that seems rhetorical almost because when he starts to ask it, you're like, why is that even a question? Like, that makes no sense to me. Like, why is that even a question that he would ask in this moment in front of everybody? And Jesus asks him a question in front of everybody. Everybody else is listening in while this woman is crying and Jesus is talking to Simon. And Jesus says, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 to the other. Neither of them could repay him. So he kindly, like from his, in his kindness, he forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more? Kind of picture Simon looking at his mates. Well, suppose the one who got forgiven of more. And Jesus says, well, you're right. And then he turns to the woman, but he doesn't talk to the woman. He turns to the woman and then he talks to Simon and he says, look at this woman, as if he wasn't looking at the woman. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, Simon, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, which is what you should have done. You're the host of this party. You didn't offer me it, but she's cleaning them with her tears and she's wiping them with her hair. He's saying, you didn't greet me with a kiss, which is what you should have done because this is your home and this is your party and I've showed up, but she's kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil like you should have, Simon. Remember, everybody's listening, like you should have, Simon. But she has got something much more expensive and is pouring it on my feet. This woman had been forgiven of so much. She was so aware of her mistakes. She was so aware of her sin. She was so aware of the place that she was when Jesus found her. She was so aware of all he had done for her that she would break through a crowd who would ridicule her and she would kneel on the ground in front of everybody and she would weep on his feet and she would pour out a costly jar of oil just to express her gratitude, knowing what everyone there would think about her. There were other people in the room that day whose lives had been transformed by Jesus. The disciples, 
There's other people there who were following Jesus because Jesus had preached a message and their lives had been transformed, but she was the only one that was where she was that day. Verse 47, I tell you her sins and they are many. I love it because God's not ignoring it. He's saying, no, no, no. She has sinned a lot, but they're still forgiven. But they're still forgiven. She has shown me much love, but a person who has been forgiven little only loves a little. This other version might say, those who have been forgiven much love much. And Jesus is not teaching us about a sin scale here. This is not a teaching about some people, if there's a scale of sin, some people are up here and some people are down here. Jesus isn't teaching that to us because that goes against the rest of the Bible and what the Bible teaches us. What I think he's teaching us here is not like some sins are worse than other sins. I think what he's teaching us here is some of us are aware of the sin in our own lives and some of us aren't. Some of us are so aware of what we've done and who we were and some of us aren't. Some of us, it's, a, it's an awareness of it. Those who realize what they've been forgiven of and those who don't. And here's our, here's our difficulty. Here's our difficulty in culture, in the world that we find ourselves in. I chatted about this with the guys at Balbriggan recently. Like, we have this, like, I'll say I have it and you can, in my mind, I'm putting you in with me, but you don't have to put yourself in. I have this, like, inbuilt trait, like a selfishness, that whenever I read a story, I put myself with the hero of the story. Like I read David and Goliath and I'm David. I read, watch someone when you're a kid, I know you're watching like Batman, you're Batman, maybe Robin if someone who's stronger than you is there and they wanna be Batman, but you're, nobody's wanting to be Joker. Like nobody's wanting to be the, the villain. Nobody's wanting to be the enemy of a story. Like nobody's wanting to be the weaker part of a story. We're all side with the hero. And we don't realize that that's probably not who we are. Like in David and Goliath, I wasn't David. I was hiding somewhere. I needed David. <laughs> I couldn't fight Goliath on my own. I needed David to come for me. I, and in this passage, in this passage, we read this and we straight away, like we'll straight away side with the woman. Oh my goodness, I love Jesus so much. I would burst through that crowd for you and I would kneel at your feet and I would pour out the most expensive thing and I would cry and I don't care what everybody else is doing. I, I am the woman in the story, worshiping Jesus. But let's be, let's, let's be real for just a second. There's three characters that we talk about in this story. One is Jesus, you're not him. All right, don't wanna burst your bubble, you're not him. There's a, there's a lady in the story and we don't get her name. We don't know where she came from. We don't know what she's done. We don't know any of, the like we don't know any of her story. She doesn't say anything. Like there's only a little interaction with her at the end and it's not even a conversation. We know nothing about this lady other than she has sinned much and she has been forgiven much. That's it. And then we have this other character called Simon and we know that we're in his house and we know that it's his party and we know like we hit we see a bit of a conversation with him we see him being addressed in the story we hear his thoughts in the story we see a rebuke towards him in the story so I guess I'm wondering is it possible 
that this whole story is supposed to show me, more often than not, on the spectrum of gratitude, I'm more like Simon than I am like the woman. Maybe I'm more like Simon. More often, maybe I'm found treating Jesus as common. Maybe I forget all that he has done. Maybe I've forgotten that I didn't get here on my own merit. Maybe I've got a little self-righteous along the way. I assume that I'm part of the club now. I'm part of the family of God and so I can just be around him because I'm in the family without realizing that I didn't get here on my own and I couldn't get here on my own. And somewhere along the way, I've lost my gratitude towards him. And sometimes we can find ourselves in that spot and we see other people. I don't know if this has happened to you. I hope it hasn't, but it happened to me. When I first gave my life to Jesus and I was so passionate, like going after God. Do you remember that moment when you first gave your life to Jesus and you were saved and you were like, oh my goodness. And you were going after God. And some people that had been around for a while were kind of like, ah, they'll settle down. That kind of attitude, you know, ah, that'll wear off. And we've forgotten where we were. And we can look, find ourselves looking at others and judging how they express their gratitude and their thankfulness and their experience and, and judge them for where they are without realizing maybe I'm Simon. Maybe I'm Simon. And so I want to remind you today what it says in Romans 3, 23. Everyone has sinned. If you're in here, that includes you. If you're watching online, that includes you. Everyone has sinned and we all fall short. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. I don't care if, if you're a Christian in here who's followed Jesus for decades or whether this is your first time even hearing the name of Jesus. I, we've all sinned. We're all on the same boat. We were all, like we all have fallen short. In our own merit, we have all fallen short. We might have been around a while. Jesus might have healed some things in us. He might have given us new life, new purpose, new hope. He might have blessed us. And so quickly we can forget that without him, I'd be nothing. Without him, I would be nothing. If you're struggling with gratitude towards him, if your love for him has maybe grown a little bit cold, I want to suggest to you today that maybe you've just forgot where he found you. Maybe you've just forgot where you were when he found you. Maybe you've just forgotten where you'd be if he hadn't found you. Maybe you've just forgotten that without him, we would be no one, we would be nowhere, and we'd be lost forever. Maybe we've just forgotten that there was no way in and of myself that I could get to him, and so he came looking for me. Because the one who understands that, understands that they have been forgiven much, will love much will love much and will be grateful. Do you remember where you were? Do you remember how your life was? Do you remember what was going on? Do you remember how your thought pattern used to be? Do you remember how your emotions used to be? Do you remember, what, do you rem do you remember the weight of carrying all of your own sin? 
Do you remember what that was like? Can you remember how he stepped into your story and all of the circumstances that he orchestrated in order to bring, yourself, bring you to himself? Do you, do you remember what it was like and how lost you were and how hurt you were? Do you remember the pain that you felt? Can you remember the weight of all of that on top of you and carrying that with all of the guilt and all of the shame? Can you remember what it was like? I had absolutely nothing in and of myself to make him even want to look twice at me. But he did. But he did. He came looking for me. Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast. None of us can boast. What he did for me was in spite of me. <laughs> what he did for me was because of him and who he is. He did not look down and say, you know, Darren's so great. He looked down and he said, Darren can't get to me and I want to be with him. And so I'll go for him and I'll come after him. There's a story, there's a story in Luke 17 where Jesus heals 10 lepers. It's like he just tells them 10 lepers and then he tells them, go and like, go and present yourself to the temple, like go and present yourself to, and they'll, there's a whole ritual that they had to do to be reintegrated back into society. But Jesus heals these 10 lepers with a word. People that everyone else had forgot about, people that everyone else had shunned from society, people that everyone else had removed from themselves. Jesus had, with a word, just healed these people, all 10 and in their excitement, I mean, I would be excited too. In their excitement about what he had done, they'd turn and they'd run for the temple. I can picture, I would do it myself. I'd be like, oh my goodness, this is my chance. This is my moment. Look what he's done. And they run back. And the story reads that as they run back, that one person looks at himself and realizes what has happened and realizes that on my own, I couldn't do this. Realizes that on my own, I couldn't get rid of this. I couldn't heal myself. I couldn't. And so one person stops is I need to, I know I need to go there, but before I do, I can go back and say thanks. And he comes back to Jesus. He comes back to Jesus. He says, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. And Jesus asks an, in an interesting question. Did I not heal 10 people? And here's one has come back. Out of all of the people that I healed, 10%, 10% has come back to say thank you. 10% has come back to say thank you. And here's what I'm determined. I'm determined that whatever it might cost me, whatever it might mean, whatever everybody else might think about me, he'll find me in the 10. He'll find me in the 10%. He'll find, and you know, that means at times that I'll be, <laughs> you'll find me crying in a heap because I remember where I was when he found me. I remember what my life, where my life was going. I remember the pain and the shame and all of it. I remember, and I don't live in any of that now, but I remember where, that I was on a downward spiral and he reached down into the muck and the mess and he grabbed me by the hand and he said, I can get you out of here. And he lifted me up and he put my feet upon the rock 
and now I stand as a son of God when I was an enemy of God and I was a stranger of God and I stand as a son of God. And so with all of that in mind, he will find me in the 10%. He will find me in the 10%. I'm gonna ask the band to come and join me. I am not. Here's the thing sometimes happens in church. Sometimes people put a lot of their own personal responsibility onto a pastor or a leader. I am not responsible for your level of gratitude. I'm responsible for mine. You are responsible for yours. I can't make you more grateful for him. I can't make anybody more grateful for him. I'm responsible for myself. And so this has been my, this has been my like playing this out in my own mind and in my own heart. Jesus, I will not forget where you find me. Jesus, I will not forget. I will make sure that I notice exactly where you have me right now. And I will remember all of the promises that you have given me of where you're bringing me to. I won't forget where I was. I won't forget where I am. And I won't forget where you're bringing me to. And that started to stir up a gratitude inside of me. Listen, I don't know what's going on in your life. I know Personally, as a family, we've had a couple of weeks that we'd like to forget about. I know as a country, we've had a week that we'd like to forget about. And I really wrestled when I was writing this message because I was like, Lord, it doesn't feel like the time. And I felt like the Lord said, no, it's exactly the time. It's exactly the time. It's exactly the time because the Lord is still good. The Lord is still good. And on my best days and on my worst days, he is still good. He has been so, so, so good to me. And the difficult days, what that does is brings a depth to our gratitude that wasn't there before. It's really easy to say thank you when everything's good. It's really easy to say thank you when every life's going your way. It's really easy to say thank you when, when even the spiritual temperature of a nation or whatever starts to feel like it's on the up and the Lord's moving. It's really easy to say thank you. Do you know it's much more difficult to say thank you when everything feels like it's crumbling and falling apart? When it feels like things are going backwards and downwards, to be able to stand and say, like, even in the middle of this, you are still good. I will not forget where you brought me from. I will not forget where I am right now. And I will not forget all of the promises that you have over my life. I am determined that whatever the circumstances, I will remind myself of who he is, who he was, who I am now, who he is in me, and I will choose to be grateful. And my prayer for you is this, that in this Advent season that it's coming up, as we begin to consider the great cost of the incarnation, of Jesus coming looking for us, as we consider all that he has done for us, all that he's doing in us right now, all that he has promised to us, my prayer is that we would experience almost like a baptism of gratitude, like a baptism of gratitude, like I can't get away from it, that we would become the most grateful people on the planet that we would become the most grateful people in this city. And when the spirit of a city feels like it's going one direction, we'll go another direction. We'll go another direction and we'll show gratitude. When people are starting to point other things out and say, not this, not that, look at this, look at them. We'll begin to say, yes, look at them. We're so grateful to God for all that he's doing and for all that he's saying and for all that he's doing inside of us. Why don't you take a second, just close your eyes.
because nobody else in this room is responsible for your gratitude other than you. Why don't we just take a second and say thank you? Like use your own words to say thankful for what to say thank you for what he's done in you. Why don't you just begin to say thanks? Come on, if that woman could push through a crowd one day with everyone looking, you can lift your voice and say thank you when nobody's looking at you. We bless you, Jesus. We thank 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 you, Jesus. Remind yourself where you were when he found you. <laughs> where you'd be if he didn't. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that we, we know and we recognize today, Jesus, that through ourselves and in ourselves, there was nothing, there was nothing that would draw you to us, God. There was no, your word says that all of our righteous works are like filthy rags before you, Jesus. We understand that in our own merit and in our own ways, Jesus, that we were on, that we were bound for destruction. We were, we were heading towards death. There was no way that we could be with you, that we could walk with you, that we could talk with you. There was no way that we could know our sins forgiven. There was no way that we could know relationship with you. There was no way, Jesus, that we could find a way back to you. But Jesus, when there was no way, you would come and you would make a way back to the Father. And you would say, so far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions and your sins from you. Jesus, you would lay down your life so that we might have life. You would take on yourself all of our guilt and all of our shame and all of our pain. You would take all of that destruction upon your own body and you would, go, you would go into that grave and you would rise again that we might not just know our sins forgiven, but we might live with you. Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done. We thank you for the pit that you pulled us from. We thank you for this big open space of grace that we find ourselves in right now. We thank you, Jesus, that whatever the circumstances, whatever is going on, you are good. You are good. You are good to us, God. And so, God, I pray for a baptism of gratitude because regardless of what goes on in this life, Jesus, we know that one day we will see you face to face and we will be with you forever and ever and ever and ever. And so, come on, if you're grateful for God today, let's just lift our voice. Let's clap our hands. Let's lift up the name of Jesus today. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like any more information, please visit stmarkcity.ie. Have a very blessed week.